It is um, truly a blessing to be here and honor again tonight to, uh, to have the study, to study with the Lord and uh, enjoy our, our conversation tonight uh, regarding life enrichment. Um, it's just always fun to be able to just look at the scriptures and see what, what God has uh, in store for us. Let's go to God in prayer, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you so very much for allowing us to assemble this evening to study your word, to learn and to understand. And we know, Lord God, that we can look back at these texts in a year from now and we'll learn so much more because you open our eyes and our hearts to understanding and you help us to grow. And we ask, Lord God, for your continual blessing in our growth that we may grow in understanding and knowledge, that we may grow in desire to do your will. Help us, Lord God, to love Jesus that much more every single day to grow in love for you, O God, in our service to you. We thank you so very much for the amazing sacrifice and the amazing benefits and blessings that are found in Christ Jesus, our Lord, the spiritual blessings that you have granted to us. We pray, Lord God, that if it's your will, that you will bless us this evening to understand your word and to grow. In Jesus' name, amen. So um, tonight is about... It's about our united um, uh, relationship. It's a gift from God. And as the Bible tells us in First Peter 2, that, that we are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So we're this special unit of God that, that only comes from God. I'm going to First Corinthians tonight, chapter 12. Um, we are this special unit of God that comes from God. And it's because of God, and without God, we wouldn't be this special unit that we are. This family uh, that God has put together is absolutely incredible. And I want to look at this, this family for just a moment, and I want to look at the uniqueness of it that is found nowhere else in, in the entire world. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll begin at verse 12. The Bible says, For even as the body is one, and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ. By one spirit were you all baptized into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. So, baptism has brought this unity and formed this, this body of believers together, making us one in Christ Jesus. So we are then this, this big family of God on earth and in heaven. Um, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 1. So there is a, a doctrinal uh, point in this, but I want you to, I want to grab the doctrinal point to help us to understand the even greater message that God is relating to us. So Ephesians 1 verse 22 and 23. The Bible says, and he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him his hand over all things to the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. So looking back at that, so he, God the Father, put all things in subjection under his, Jesus Christ's feet, and gave him, Jesus Christ, as head over all things to the church. Notice the comma, right? The author pauses for a moment and then goes on to continue his thought. In verse 23, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. In all. So here we learn this interchangeableness of words. The Bible has interchangeable words. 
uh, within it. And this is one where you have the word church and the word body as interchangeable words. Let's look at Colossians uh, chapter 1. And the verse is 18. Colossians 1 and verse 18. Again, we'll look at the interchangeableness of the word body and the word church. We want to grab the doctrinal side to help us to understand the spiritual unity and the strength that God gives us in his word. Verse 18, it says, he is also head of the body, comma, the church. So the body is the church. And he is the beginning of the, excuse me, the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself might come to have first place in everything. So this church, this body of believers, Jesus is our head. He is our guide, our protector. He is our everything. And he is the one who unites this family together. Without Jesus, we have no church. Without Jesus, we have no body. Without Jesus, we have no unit, right? So now, verse 24. 24 says, Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I do my share on behalf of his body, which is the church, and filling up that which is lacking in Christ's affliction. So again, the unit, the word church and body are both interchangeable words. So then, when people ask, and they have asked this question, um, you know, how many churches did Jesus build? We know the Bible is clear. There's only one church. Right? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. We know that because the Bible tells us the word church and body are both interchangeable words. And the Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 4, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called and one hope of your calling. So if there's one body, there's one church. So that has not changed. That's the amazing beauty of the word of God, that God has blessed the church to be one. So there's one church as there is one body, interchangeable words, and God has made this unit into one defined, powerful, perfected, and saved body of believers. Now, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where we left off a moment ago. And we should, as God's people, there's no reason to be ashamed in telling people, as you study with them, that there's only one church, because there is only one church church we are not divided as the world is divided as satan is all about division we are a united body of believers and i'll talk more about that in just a moment but first i want to look at verse 12 and i want you to with me we're going to read it a second time but this time we're going to interchange the word body with the word church to give us clarity so you can see the value of of the body of believers the people that sit uh in the auditorium when we worship together and worshiping God, as well as all the brethren throughout the entire world. But greater than that, even the united body of believers that are passed on and in the heavenlies right now. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 12. Replace the word body with church. For even as the church is one, and yet as many members, and all the members of the church, though they are many, are one church, so also is Christ. For by one spirit were you all baptized into one church, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. For the church is not one member, but many. So here, the church, it doesn't matter where you come from, whether you're a slave or, or a free person, whether you're rich or whether you're poor, whether you're Jew or you're Gentile, the church is made of one body, one 
body of believers in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so this world that is so divided is the very opposite. It represents the very opposite of what we represent in Christ. That we are united. Now this is interesting. Here's what I mean. Whether we like it or not, <laughs> we're brethren. Right? <laughs> you can say, I don't like those brethren over there. It doesn't matter. They're still your brother. You, you know, you can't, it, does, it is what it is. And so the, the beauty of the church is, is that, uh, you know, God has brought us together and made us one. And if we choose in this life to be divided on earth, then we'll also be divided in eternity. Now that's a sad and scary thought in reality. So we are united by God as this great group of people. And every member, this is important, every member in the Lord's body is equally important to God. You matter. We are, we are all equally important. There's not one who's greater than the other. All of us matter equally in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, imagine this. And maybe this has happened, actually. This morning, you, you're awake from your bed of slumber, and you are ready to get dressed and go to work, and your legs say, I want nothing to do with it. And you fall right on the floor. Well, it doesn't feel great, but think about how important at that moment your legs are. Right? Well, you're ready to brush your teeth and your arms aside. I don't want to participate or your hand. That's what 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is trying to tell us is that every component, every individual independent part of our bodies, our physical body, they're all important. And we don't often realize the importance of that, that body limb, if you will, until it's gone or it's inoperable. There's something wrong with it. And yet what's interesting and amazing about, about the body is that even though that, that limb may be put out of joint, it's still necessary and still important. I mean, how many people do you know or how many times have you uh, found yourself in a position uh, where you've broken a bone or you injured yourself in some way in a limb, a part of your body, a portion of your body doesn't work like it once did? Even if it was just a scratch on the arm or something that, that affects your day, it affects you in every way. That's how critical and how important every member of the body of Christ is. And that's why it's important and imperative that we stay connected and we work with each other and we help each other and that we love each other. So listen to what verse 15 says. 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 15. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not a part of the body, it is not for that reason or this reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not a part of the body. It is not for this reason any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? So, no one in the body of Christ should, I know this this happens, and it's, it's unfortunate, and pray God we won't do this ourselves personally to anyone. Uh, and if we've done it, we won't do it anymore, any longer. No one in the body of Christ should ever feel excluded, okay? Nor should anyone in the Bible cl- body of Christ ever exclude anyone else. We should, we should be a very inclusive um, body of believers. Diversity. Diversity is important. 
You know why diversity is important? I'm not even talking about um, racial diversity. I'm talking about diversity in general. Because we're all different. Some of us are fat and some are skinny and some are tall and some are short and some are good at this and some are good at that and some are better at this and some are better at that. There are people, brethren, that it, it doesn't matter how much Bible I know or how much Bible Brother James knows or how much Bible Sister Judy knows, I, I'm not going to be able to reach that person. And it's not that I'm inadequate and don't have the scriptures. It's just that I'm not the right one for whatever reason. It's God who softens the heart and opens the door, right? So, so we are, we are diverse because we reach the world and we need to be diverse in order to reach the world. Without diversity, uh, we're stuck in this one unit. We're, we're, we're kind of blase. We're kind of boring, but, but we're so diverse. We're so diverse that it's amazing. And the beauty is when that diversity joins together in unity, which is what Jesus Christ does, as my wife and I were talking about today, that Christ broke down that dividing wall as Jesus Christ breaks down the division within us and makes this amazing body of different looking, different thinking people together as one. And then we go out and affect the world. It's almost like um, uh, in, our, in the military, in the army, we have special forces we have special units for special tasks and so it's like the church has a multiplicity of special units or special task forces that can go out into the world and affect people in a very different and diverse way and that's what we do and that's what we bring to the body of christ and so jesus says that you know we shouldn't look at each other and say you know i'm not as as good at this as someone else is god if you look at the scriptures the bible never said that I mean, it tells each and every one of us to do the very best that we can in Christ, right? We, we put forth our, our very best effort. But if you're going to come up, Brother James asked uh, on Sunday for help. If you're going to do a devo, a devotional, you say, well, I'm not really, I'm not, I don't know if I'm, I'm really good at that. Uh, you can read scriptures, right? I mean, so what if your devo weren't five minutes? No one's going to get mad at you. You know, we're going to say, praise God for what you've done. Do what you can, right? If you come and you just read maybe uh, a few scriptures and you have just one thought and then you sit down, Praise God for that, right? You will reach someone. It's, it's almost like the preacher that preached a sermon uh, on Matthew chapter 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And, and then afterwards, a person came, came down front and asked to be baptized. And the preacher, you know how you know, I want to take credit sometimes, oftentimes, you know, thought to himself, well, what did I say that made you want to be baptized? And he said, it's nothing that you said. It's every time you read begot, I knew someone died. He knew what was coming next, and he heard it over and over and over and over again. And so it made him realize, hey, you know, the end of my life is coming. It's at hand. And so here this preacher, he would say, a message that was uh, inadequate or wasn't much, but it was very powerful. right? And so all of us have the ability to present a message of some sort to individuals that we are acquainted with, uh, that we know in a way that maybe someone else cannot. And at the same time, how many times have you seen where uh, a, a parent has done everything to reach their child, but it's someone else who comes along and, and says something that sparks your child's you know, energy and they decide to, to surrender to Christ? That doesn't mean the, the parent was inadequate. It just means that God uses the family to help the family, right? That's what he does. And so we ought to be thankful for that and for that wonderful and amazing gift. So... No Christian has to be this this um, polished orator who comes up and speaks on a, you don't have you just have to give God the truth and, and holiness and sanctity 
in honesty and devotion and commitment and do the best that you can do without comparing yourself as the foot. You know, don't compare yourself to the foot. Don't compare yourself to the eye. Don't compare yourself to the hand. You do the best that you can in Christ. So I hope that after this lesson is over, you will contact Brother James and say, Brother James, I'm willing to help in some way, right, without comparing yourself to someone else. God has called each one of us. And, you know, when he called us, if you, if you, I'm, I'm glad Russ was here tonight because, you know, I could use the word damaged. Uh, no, just kidding. <laughs> he gives me that. We're all damaged, right? We're all, all of us. He came, we came damaged. We came broken. And, and sometimes we try to stand up as if we're not bruised or, or broken or damaged in some way. But let me, let me tell you something about a mangled hand. It's there. It doesn't work like it used to, like it's supposed to, like God designed it to. But it still works a little. Do you just disregard it and say, I'm never going to use you again? No, you use whatever you can get out of that mangled hand. You use that hand in some way when you're, when your legs aren't working properly. You don't just say, okay, I'm done. I'm, I'm never going to. No, we work with, we work as damaged people in, with the idea of, li- of living and, and being alive. And so in the church, it's the same way. Think about this for a moment. How many damaged people, meaning I'm talking now physical, right? Physical ailment, um, ailments and situations. When it comes to a physical project that needs to be done, are there any perfect people who show up ready for the job? Maybe the younger folks, but the older folks who show up who are damaged, right? Um, their, their, their body parts don't work like it used to. They can't find the same strength, the same balance, the same this and the same that. And they do what they can and they still affect the church in some way. And so never throw out, if you will, the thought that maybe, you know, I'm not as good as someone else. Never throw out the idea that I'm not good enough for God. God has made each of us unique and special. God wants you. God needs you. We need you. The church needs you. We need each other desperately um, to encourage one another, to to love one another, to grow. I mean, there are just things that you can say to encourage me that, well... And maybe I wouldn't think of to say to someone else. Maybe you have a sense of, of compassion that you can demonstrate or display that, that I just, I'm, I'm lacking it right now. But praise God for the family of God, the family of believers. We all serve God for uh, a purpose and with a purpose. I want to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 18. This is really important. Listen to this. I'm going to read through verse 20 and then I want to come right back. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members, but one body. So, listen to verse 18 again, please. But now God has placed the members, each one of them, in the body, just as he desired. This specialized unit, body of believers. God takes every individual and says, I have a job for you. And he places you in the body. Turn. Let's look at Acts 2 and verse 47. Uh, Acts 2 verse 47. He places you in the body exactly where he wants you 
to be. Verse 47, it says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. So, so as he added you, he added you individually to a, a group of believers throughout the world, and he has a special, unique task for you alone. Right? And then for this person sitting next to you, they have their own special task. And for the person next to you, they have their own special task. In other words, in Jesus, this amazing body of Christ has individuals within it, or should I say, is made up of individuals, and each individual has a special job, task, relationship, uh, design by God. God, the great designer, designed you, designed me, to be in the body in a particular place. And I know oftentimes um, people will say things like, well, I just haven't found my place yet in the church. And then we live as if we're scrambling to find our special place, if you will. And it, it, You have to try things, you know. I mean, you, you never know until you try things. You... Um, uh, you, you know, try public speaking, try saying a prayer, try just serving. I'm just talking about Sunday morning and Sunday evening worship alone uh, right now. It, it may, maybe that's not your, your special task. Maybe it's just you're just a great greeter. You're a wonderful greeter. Maybe you just you put a smile on people's faces and you're just great at, at, at bringing life to a room. You know, whatever it is, you have a special, unique task that comes from God and God alone. And the purpose of it is to build up the body of Christ. Each one of us are specialists in some way or another. Do whatever you can. The problem is we look at other people and say, oh, I want to do that. Maybe that's not what God has in store for me. Not everyone's going to be a Bible school teacher. Not everyone's going to be this or that or whatever it may be, but all of us should at least try so that you can know for sure whether or not this is your task. You may find an amazing joy. You go back there, those little kids, and they start running around the room, and they start asking the teachers questions, and you go, oh, wow, I never thought of that, and maybe that's your lot. Maybe it's maybe that will bring joy to your heart, or whatever it may be. Just you got to try things to figure out where God has placed you in the body, but every single member in the body of Christ has a unique and a special gift from God. Okay, I'll come back and grab that in just a second. I want to grab Mark chapter 14, because it's important and imperative that we uh, not compare ourselves to one another. I mean, you've got to keep it between you and the Lord. And that's where this depression comes in in the church where, you know, where I come into the building and I say, I, I just don't know where I fit in. And, and so I really don't belong here. And we feel like we're outsiders. You're, no one's an outsider. Christ added you to the body. And so every one of us are important, equally important. And it doesn't matter what anyone else does. God is the instrument behind this. God is the designer of the body of Christ. And he has placed every single member exactly where he wants us to be. Now, we do what we can. There's some things that, um, I don't like to use the word can't, um, but there are some things that we're just, we're just not, it's just not, it's not my task. It's just not me. And that's all right. Because God tells us that. He tells us that by saying, I put you where I want you. You may want to be over there, but God says, that's not where I put you. I put you 
over here. So that that's an okay thing. But we got to figure out where that place is that God has placed us in the body of Christ. So do what you can. I want to go to two scriptures on that thought. Um, Mark chapter 14, beginning at verse 9, please. And while he was in Bethany at the home of Simon the leper, and reclining at the table, there came a woman with an alabaster vial, a very costly perfume of pure nard. And she broke the vial and poured it over his head. But some were indignantly remarking to one another, Why has this perfume been wasted? For this perfume might have been sold for over 100 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they were scolding her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you bother her? She has done a good deed to me. For the poor you always have with you. And whenever you wish, you can do them. But you do not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body before the burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is preached in the whole world, that also which this woman has done will be spoken of her in her memory. So Jesus says, you know what? She didn't go out and set the world on fire. And, and she didn't. She, and she's not an apostle. And she's not going to do great things like the apostles will do. And she won't have these miraculous gifts, maybe. Maybe she did. Who knows in the future. But she doesn't have these miraculous gifts. But what she did was all that she could. And what she did was an amazing thing that Jesus said the whole world will speak about this forever, whenever you talk about the gospel. So think about this for a moment. There may be things in your heart and in your mind uh, within the confines of Scripture that you feel like, oh, maybe I shouldn't participate in and, and maybe God, maybe this is your moment and your hour where God says, no, this is what you are able to do. And this is something that you should do. You know, what a beautiful idea and thought. Again, you're in the body of Christ and you have a specific purpose that God has given to you. Not one that we make up, but one that God has given to us. Turn to Luke uh, chapter 21. I do want to preface that again with within the confines of the scriptures. Right, so within the confines of the scriptures, we find that thing, whatever it is that uh, that God has given to us to do what we can, not comparing ourselves to other people in the body of Christ or outside. Uh, Luke twenty-one, beginning at verse one. He looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a certain poor widow putting in two small copper coins, and he said, "Truly, I say to you, this poor widow put in more than all of them." For they all out of their surplus put into the offering, but she out of her poverty put in all that she had to live on. So imagine whatever it is that God has called you to do, that you, you put in all that you have. In other words, you, like the Macedonian church, you, you, you bring yourself first. You give yourself to the Lord. What an amazing, amazing thing. I think of, um, some of the, the elderly and they, I, I talk to them and, you know, we talk about them being prayer warriors and, and they, they become discouraged because they say, I, I just can't do what I used to do. And I really w- I wish I could do more. And they really feel like they need to be there to do more. But what they don't realize is when when they show up at the building and we're worshiping together. And uh, some of us, young folks, look over. We go, man, that pray sister so-and-so, brother so-and-so, always here. That is amazing that, to see your strength. Because something that we know is we don't. We know it academically, right? Not through necessarily through experience. Um, we know how difficult it is for you to get out of the bed 
right? And, and to put your shoes on and, your, and all the things that come with that. And, and then to get here, we know the effort, the amazing effort it took. It, it wasn't just jump up out of your, you know, your bed and go running. It took an amazing effort for you to get out of the bed and get to the building. And this is like a huge task for you for the day. And then you're here and we're going, wow, that's amazing. That's encouraging, right? Even though you, you haven't echoed a word, uh, maybe there's just a smile on your face or maybe there's even a grimace because of the pain and you're trying to, to, to wash it away. But when we look over and see you here in the audience trying your very best to stay awake and be alive and enthusiastic and just physically being here, it's an amazing encouragement. It really, truly truly is that's more than something that's an awful lot right or maybe you're just one of the children who are running around who aren't members of the body of christ yet but you're just running around here and you're just laughing and giggling and having a you know beautiful joyful heart and that joyful heart it, it rubs off on us and it feels great or maybe you're one of the ladies in the congregation who just you know you just desire to serve and you're just doing things around the building and you're doing things with the children and we're just amazed at that, just as husbands are amazed at their wives and their ability to multitask and all those things. We're just amazing people because God made us that way. And then we step away from the physical, and God says, I've got a spiritual thing for you too. It's amazing, right? Each one of us are, are placed in the body of Christ with a particular design from the designer to help the church to continue to stay alive. Now, I want to go to Ephesians chapter 4. So it's not about finding your place in, in the body of Christ or where you fit in because you already have a place because it is a gift, and the gift has come from God. Ephesians 4, beginning uh, in just a moment at, at this verse here, verse 11. Do, do you think that in my, in my wildest dreams growing up that I ever thought I would be a preacher in the Lord's church? much less even a Christian, if you will. But then when I became a Christian, do you ever think that for the, any moment that I looked at the preacher and the Bible class teacher and said to myself, you know, one day I'm going to teach the Bible. I never thought that. I never said, one day I'm going to be a Bible school teacher. I never said that, ever. And maybe some of you are in the same position where you never, ever even thought about being a Bible school teacher. And then it just, thank God, I mean, the opportunity came to teach a friend the Bible, and I didn't even know much, like maybe some of you may not know very much, but I knew what I knew, and so what I did know, I said, hey, well, here's what I did. I, I studied the Bible a little bit, and I learned what, you know, the plan of salvation, you know, God does have a plan, and I, I just taught them what I knew. And then over time, it became easier to teach what I knew, and I started learning more, <laughs> and then I was able to share more, and then, well, anyway, here we are today, but that's the part that God has given to me. What part has God given to you, right? So to, to just come to the building and in and, and the body and just and to not work is not what God's designed us to do. In fact, God designed us physically to work. Working feels good. It feels good to work. Um, but there's something you can do spiritually. You know, make a phone call. Uh, send a card. Those little things, I mean, the little things are not little. How many times have you received a phone call out of the blue? We'll say that. Was, oh, so-and-so called me out of the blue. Or you receive a card and you go, wow, I got this card. You show someone. You go, so-and-so sent me a card because we're so impressed. So there aren't little things in the church. Everything's huge and monumental. 
when you do it with love and you do it uh, in the spirit of Christ Jesus, our Lord. And it touches the hearts of people in a way that oftentimes we never actually know. Okay, um, Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 11. He gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers. You see, not, not everyone was an apostle. And not, not everyone was an evangelist. And not everyone, he, some were this and some were that and some were this. Verse 12, there was a reason for it. For the equipping of the saints for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. So some did this and some did that, but not one did all. That's important, right? Some did this, some did that, but not one did all. And that's the body of Christ. Some will do this and some will do that and some will do this. And some will do that. And the body of Christ will not only be stabilized because of the greatness of God, but it will grow and it will be equipped for every amazing purpose. And that's what's so amazing also about the Lord's church, that God prepares and preps the church and um, and prepares us for whatever is coming our way so that we can handle it. Whatever it is that's coming, um, you know, from a worldly standpoint and even in Christ, opportunities that are before us. God has prepared the church for that very reason. In the body of Christ, think about what God says when he's saying this. There's neither male nor female. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, Scythian nor barbarian. In other words, we're all one in Christ, right? You know, it doesn't matter where we came from in the world. It doesn't matter, doesn't matter where we are now in Christ. The, the key component is we are now in Christ. And God gives gifts to his children. And so we have these gifts that God has given to us. Verse 13, please. It says, until, that's important. How do we know the church isn't there yet? How do you know? You say, I don't know if I have a, have a purpose yet. Well, as verse 13 and 14 fulfilled in, in your hearing, until we attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the statue which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, um, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. So, uh, have you found a perfect body of believers yet? United? Totally united? Perfected? No, not yet. We haven't attained to the unity of the faith yet. But we're working on this perfect unity in Christ and growing in our Lord Jesus Christ to make us one. And God is, is behind the whole picture. So that hasn't happened yet, which means, number one, there's work to be done. Right. And number two, we're not done yet. So we continue working in the faith in service to our God. Now, I want to go all the way back to the beginning of this chapter um, because unity must be achieved. Look at verse one. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, entreat you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you have been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another in love, being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. So, here's this, this idea, this thought of worthiness. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling of God. Am I walking 
in a manner worthy of this amazing gift that God has given to me? Am I walking in a manner worthy being in the presence of this, this giant, if you will, the church, the church universally? Am I walking worthily? Like the saints who walked before me. I'm not talking about the heroes of faith. But just our, our brethren who've lived faithfully to Jesus and have, and have passed on. Some very quietly. Some were very quiet members in the body of Christ. But they were, they were amazing giants in their faith. And, and, and some were, were great preachers who preached the gospel and, and were great workers in the Lord's church. And some were great deacons and elders. And I mean, the list goes on. And some were these members of the body of Christ that were just workers in the but am I personally walking in a manner worthy? Not in comparison to them, but with the gift that God has given to me, am I walking worthily? Am I walking worthily in this gift that God has given or passed on to me? This calling. God has called me. Right? He called me. He added me to the body of Christ. He called through the gospel. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 14. We're all called through the gospel. He called us. And we said, Lord, here I am. We responded to that call. And we surrendered in the waters of baptism. Am I walking in a worthy manner? Am I exploring my talents? Am I reaching out to God and saying, Lord, how can you use me today? Am I walking in a worthy manner to attain in the body to attain this amazing unity, the unity of the faith. Now, First Thessalonians, please, chapter uh, chapter five. First Thessalonians, chapter five, and I want to look at verse nine and read through verse eleven. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord. Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we awake or asleep, we may live together with Him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you are also doing. Am I, am I encouraging someone? Right, so in Christ, at some point, in a walk of faith, we reach out and encourage someone else in one way or another. Again, maybe it's sending a card. Maybe it's uh, uh, sending a note. Maybe it's a phone call. Maybe it's in our in our day today, in our world today, it's sending a, a messenger note or a message or whatever, you know, a text message. Am I encouraging someone? Am I encouraging a member of the body of Christ? Am I doing my part, whatever that part is, whatever God has in store for me to, to build someone up, right? To build someone up in the faith, in the body. Not build everyone up. Some do this and some do that, but none do all, right? Building someone up. Am I doing something? Not everything. Not in comparison to, but rather, am I just building someone up in the faith. That's what God has called us to do. Now, what, what I want to say to you in closing, um, that 
we want to encourage anyone that is struggling in their faith to answer God's call, to surrender to the Lord, to uh, submit to Him, to to do His will, to do what's right. And uh, you can do that by you can call the office, you can call a member of the body of Christ, whatever we can do to help. If you are a uh, are not a member of the, of the body of Christ, then uh, our information is on the board. You can surrender to God in the waters of baptism at any at any time. You can call us or communicate with us, and we can engage in a Bible study to help you to learn the truth of God's Word. And you can surrender to Jesus, surrender to God in the waters of baptism. We would like to be there for you in any way uh, possible. And if we can be there for you, uh, please let us know by communicating and uh, contacting us with the number and the information you see behind us. So thank you tonight for your time. We really appreciate it. We praise God for your uh, great blessings and your great gift. Thank you.